0: with myself, Adam Spio, and my ever energetic Jabu Imtua. Today, we are moving away from the much-discussed football industry within Africa and the world to giving a really good focus on Formula E, as Jabu and I love motorsports, and we believe that it is necessary for us to also be a part of that conversation. Jabu, who do we have for our audience today?
1: Today, just on the back of a successful staging of the EPRI in Cape Town last Saturday, we have the man really who is mostly respected for bringing the entire EPRI to South Africa and Africa's first ever EPRI, a very historical moment for motorsport in Africa. And to talk us through the successes and just talking us through the experience of hosting and staging an EPRI, we have the chairman and co founder of Eve Movement, Ian Banner. Ian, thank you so much for making the time to come on the podcast and welcome to you to the Africa Business of Sport podcast.
2: Thank you, Jabo, and, and a very uh, uh, warm hello to both you and to Adam. Delighted to be talking to my African brothers about our huge success last weekend.
1: Absolutely. Let's jump straight into it because I'm really keen to hear, especially from a management or behind the scene perspective of how it actually went for you. So, we're recording this on a Wednesday. You've had, I can imagine, a couple of days of rest after what must have been an eventful weekend in the past couple of weeks. So, could you just give us your experience of firstly managing the entire operation around bringing the EPRI to Cape Town?
2: Yeah, with pleasure. I mean, firstly, it is it for us, it was a journey that started on the 6th of June, 2019. When myself and my partners decided to approach the city of Cape Town, we had done that and the city announced, then Mayor Dan Plato said, that if we were successful in securing the bid process and, and getting the rights to bring the race, Cape Town would be there to host it. And that started, a you know, we embarked on a journey, which I visited my first, uh, funny enough, a uh, first Grand Prix in another African city in the north, in Marrakesh, in Morocco, which has staged a few times uh, such a Formula E event as we did. And I went and uh, before that met with Alberto Longo, who is the co-founder and chief championship officer of Formula E, and laid out our plans and said that I felt that in Cape Town, I very boldly stated I thought we could present a top three race on the global calendar. And that's, I think, what we were able to achieve this past Saturday.
1: In terms of your initial motivations around hosting it specifically in Cape Town, what were the main factors in doing it in Cape Town? Because I can't imagine there were other options. We've seen the Kayalami track that has been developed over the past few years and the events that have happened there.
2: Firstly, my motivation in doing it is honestly for Africa, specifically for South Africa, but really for Africa to show that we are able to do things at a level that is on the same kind of standard as the very best elsewhere in the world. So my question to you, uh, Chabu, and to Adam would be, if you were to select in South Africa a location where you needed an inner city location, not a track, but a street circuit that could best showcase the beauty of, of Africa, where would you take the race?
0: Um, for me, I think South Africa is my option because I do know that infrastructure-wise, um, there's a lot of development. For for instance, when I came to Durban, I kept telling Jabu that I was impressed with the nature of the streets and how well they were made, how very connected they were, and you know the ease of moving around. So I, I, I would pick South Africa. And I, I haven't seen other places here, but I would have picked Durban, yeah. So... I happen to be a
2: Capetonian, so it was convenient here, firstly. But secondly, the mother city is often voted as the most beautiful city in the world. If not the most beautiful, it sort of interchanges with Sydney in Australia, maybe one or two other cities each year. So it's not me talking when I say the beauty of Cape Town speaks for itself. I'm sure it would be very successful in Durban, no doubt about that, but Apart from the natural beauty, Cape Town is a city that is extremely well run, as is the Western Cape, you know, as a province. And so uh, for me and for my partners, it was a no-brainer. And I have to say I'm delighted with the choice because we've had nothing but incredible support from the city of Cape Town under the able leadership of Mayor Jordan Hill-Lewis, and from the Premier of the Western Cape under the very able leadership of Premier Alan Windy. So it's important when you're going to do something, you know that you're working with officials that understand how to do these things. And they both understand in spades because they run their province and their city more like businesses where they are the chief executive rather than just being a political appointee who's out front. They actually are executive in what they do. So it's been a total delight and pleasure. And I think if you had a chance to watch the pictures uh, on the weekend, you would agree with me that it showcased Africa in the most beautiful light. I couldn't agree more. And alongside the city of Cape Town was
1: South African Tourism, New 24. There's a range of partners that have made this race possible and successful. So what was the role and the importance of all the partners of the e in Cape Town? You know, every
2: partner played their role and Uber came on as a very important uh, sponsor with us. Nissan came on. People were shocked and surprised by ESCOM joining us. But the reason they were there is we had an electric festival at the race, which showcased all things E from bicycles to one-wheelers, to scooters, to cars as well as charging solutions and alternative energy solutions. And ESGIM, whilst they are in serious trouble with generation, have developed a microgrid that generates about 150 to 160 kilowatts of power a day. Its cost is 1% of the normal way of electrifying up to 50 houses, which they've now got two test sites that don't require any grid power. And these homes, for the first time ever, are securing power. That is the reason Eskimo was there. And, you know, to all the people who deride the fact they're there, I say, well, there is stuff happening that you need to know about. Um, So that's one example. And Electric, the festival, proved its value. But I think most importantly you should know and your listeners should know that behind the race itself Mm -hmm. is a big purpose. And that is what motivates me, as I said, one to be proudly African in what we do, but secondly, to try and make a difference by creating jobs and being a workshop rather than a talk shop. So if you uh, look into what's mm-hmm. behind our race, you will see we had a three-day summit called Africa's Green Economy Summit. That uh, The job of that is to connect global capital with African opportunity. We had 81 speakers and panelists, 400 delegates. I believe that'll grow into what is the equivalent of the mining in Darby, but this one for the green economy. We launched or I launched Go Green Africa, which is a program to hold companies and individuals accountable to going green. That is our 365-day year purpose. And then we announced initiatives like Formula Student Africa, where we have six universities being in South Africa, being UCT, WITS, UJ, UNISA, Nelson Mandela Bay, um, as well as um, CPUT, who under Warwick University, who sent out their professor of engineering and their race team, are providing a guideline so each of these universities can enter a prototype car and a race car for next year, a Formula Student Africa race car. All universities in Africa are welcome to join. We've already had indication from others than the six founding universities and Technicons. Now, why is this important? This is about creating uh, skills in the e-mobility sector. We have a big motor manufacturing uh, capacity in South Africa. We make some 720,000 vehicles a year. 70% of those are exported on the luxury side to Europe and from 2030, they won't be interested in anything that is an internal combustion engine. By law, they have to be e-cars. So we better have the skills amongst our young people to go and work in those factories. Mm -hmm. And we need to additionally um, start Mm -hmm. our own uh, Mm e-manufacturing capability. So that's something we're driving for. So Mm. I think those job creation opportunities, that Mm. purpose, really is what underpins us. And then the race becomes the annual celebration to showcase everything that is possible in the world of sustainable net zero, uh, in the sustainable net zero environment. So that's the big purpose piece.
0: It's very clear, you know, just from listening to you right now that the ePICs, In Cape Town, South Africa, isn't just an event where drivers come and try and win a trophy, but it has a ripple effect to the extent that even goes down to universities where now their students can be a part of such a competition with regards to coming up with innovative cars that can win this. And for me, that is positive. I'm very, very, very passionate about impact where even the littlest of the levels, can get to benefit from this and i believe it can go a long way in where now even it's it even goes beyond cape town where potentially there's an e pre in every african country right maybe internally not necessarily linked to the fia but internally where students from from each of the countries across the continent get the opportunity to create cars develop cars which are very you know efficient and very high performing to be a part of such competition where where does this fit in with the with with the agenda for the youth with regards to i I know you've spoken about it um briefly but give us a bit more in depth into it where it gives a focus to the youth because you and i do know and even jabu do know that for a very long time the youth having been integrated in the business is a sports business of 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 you know operations on the continent, but where does this directly impact more opportunities for them? Sure. Well, I think, firstly, the Formula Student
2: Africa program that I've just spoken about, and I'm delighted to hear your excitement around impact, because that's what we have to do in this continent of ours. We've got a wonderful uh, continent. It's bigot- I, would, I would ask you both, what would you think the biggest asset is on the continent? And most people would say the people. I think that's true. But in terms of power, it's the sun that is our biggest asset. It shines beautifully across the continent every day. And it doesn't charge us to get up in the morning and to go to sleep at night. It just gets up and it puts out its beautiful rays of sunshine. And we've got to capture those. on the formula student side, it's about e-mobility skills. That's for young people that are technicons at universities and others that want to join them in these teams. And I love your idea. We can extend this throughout Africa. We could even have national championships from each country and a winner coming to compete in the Formula Student Africa finals. That's something to think about. But beyond that, in terms of giving hope and interest we had, for example, 300 plus kids from the communities put together by the Laurier Sport for Good Foundation, which I founded 22 years ago, which uses sport for good. It, it brings children together to address social issues in communities. And you can look up Laurier Sport for Good Foundation, but we now, having started from scratch, support some 300 projects every year We've raised about $250 million since we started, and we've impacted the lives of 6.5 million children across the globe. Many of those projects are in Africa. 35 of them are in South Africa. And so it's really uh, about impact, as you said. And this race is, as I said, the celebration that can give cause for hope and belief I'm tired of people complaining about what's not being done. Let's rather get out and showcase what can be done and take our young people with us in this exciting journey of renewable energy. Go Green Africa has big plans to promote investment and job creation. And that's something over the next five to 10 years that will definitely make an impact and move the dial on this continent of ours. And, you know, the race will continue to be the vehicle that promotes the face of what can be achieved, uh, as I said earlier, in terms of sustainability and net zero. It's the only sporting code in the world that achieves that rating, that net zero rating, or specifically an ISO 2201 code. So it's it's exciting. It's It's about sustainability, it's about impact, and then, of course, And that's 365
1: days a year and then the race is the celebration. I must say Ian I'm really really encouraged by the level of engagement and contribution that especially the Formula E student program that you're speaking about is going to have on the youth in Africa. Myself being a WIT student really intrigued as to how that will go and possibly the car make that my university contributes to next year's race hopefully. But just to take a step back and looking at the Cape Town EPRI that just took place in the last week, what would you say, because we're now two, three days out and we can have an objective look, I'm sure you've sat down with your partners over the past few days and just thought through your thoughts and um, feedback in the air around how it went for you. But what do you think the impact of the EPRI will be in the next few years, given that this is the first one that has happened in Africa and you're looking to have it as an annual celebration of electrical innovation and sustainability, not only in motorsport, but across the entire economy. What are you looking to do with the EPRI over the next few years?
2: So the first thing is as an event, I very boldly stuck my neck out when I met with Alberto Longo, the co-founder, as I mentioned in uh, January of 2020, when we first met in his office. And I said to him, my objective was for us to deliver a top three race of the global circuit, and when you look at the fact that they've had 120 races or thereabouts, and they've got the b- most beautiful cities in the world, it's a very, very bold statement. But mm-hmm. it's because, aside from the race, aside from the city track that I think succeeded to provide an extraordinary uh, race circuit that the drivers have raved about, we saw the. The cost is incredible maneuvers twice to overtake to win the race in the dying lap of the race. So from an out and out racing perspective, the track offers up supreme racing. So that's number one. It is officially the fastest circuit on the global series. So the drivers were driving at speeds, average speeds higher than any other time they've ever been in nine seasons of racing. Secondly, I'm proud to say that with the fantastic team that we've had working on the event, it ran extremely efficiently operationally. And we sold out the 25,893 seats that we had available for sale. So in terms of objectives, uh, that's this year. We we had to educate the public about Formula E because it's a new sporting discipline in relative terms, number one. And number two, we then had to build an event. And nobody believed us when I said we're going to do this. For 30 years, there's been talk about Formula One coming and open-wheel racing returning to South Africa. Well, up to this date, that hasn't happened in spite of multiple announcements that it was happening. So it was friends who had pointed out to me that actually nobody believed this was going to happen. It was only when we started building the infrastructure in early January on the 3rd of January and people started seeing the seats, the hospitality marquees, the road layouts, everything being put into place that people said, my goodness, this is really happening. And it happened in a big way. So I believe next year we can sell up 40,000 seats. That's the target I'm setting for us to achieve. And I'm revising again. I'm always very ambitious. And I want this to be the number one race on the global series. And apart from the race, you've got beautiful things like incredible food in Cape Town, beautiful beaches. The racing folk come, many of them for the first time, they climb mountains, they you know go up a table mountain cable car, they go up Lion's Head, and they're just blown away by what they find. And it's a city that's working well, so it's efficient, the hotels are good. So all of those elements are very, very important in support of a great race. You can have a great race and a circuit that's outlying somewhere in the middle of nowhere, like uh, Paul Ricard in France, great racing circuit. There's nothing going on around it. And people come in. What's happening now in terms of objectives, the top people behind these race teams, the sponsors, the whole ecosystem are – are coming here and wanting to stay on. They're staying for holidays, et cetera. In the future, I'm hearing stories they're gonna come a week before and stay on a week after. So all of this has economic impact and benefit. The more people that come and see and believe and realize that here in Africa, we can put on a fantastic event that's so well supported, but additionally that provides a backdrop To an incredible experience because life is about experiences. I learned that from my wife. That's always been her thing. Every day we need something, an experience that we can put in our memory suitcase and carry with us for the rest of our lives. I have no doubt of the 25,583 people that came on the weekend that many will be carrying memories
0: with them into the rest of their lives. I can just imagine what you know, they'll be thinking of looking forward for the next race and how potentially even for some of the young people, how they can be a part of this and how it can even create opportunities for them. I I wouldn't be surprised to see if some people will be applying for internships in the next months and and, months to come. But for me, one thing I always look at when I think about Formula E it has to be environmental sustainability because, of course, that is what the main message that has been pushed around for a very long time, that you can enjoy motorsports, but you don't have to use so much carbon footprint. So what is the environmental sustainability strategy for the EPICs here in Cape Town uh moving forward that even young people can be a part of them, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, sure. Firstly,
2: the global circuit, as I said, is audited and is net zero. So that's a starting point. So everything that we do, you went to the hospitality outlets. It was all recycled plastics. It was all compostable materials if they were used at all, preferably paper was used for cups, stuff that can be disposed of environmentally friendly, in an environmentally friendly way. So the entire race production focuses on that. There are elements that are difficult to... uh, uh, So, for example, we had the generator backup power driven by biofuels. This year, there was some diesel in the mix. Next year, I'm hoping we'll be able to produce in Cape Town something called hydrogen vegetable oil, which is a second-generation vegetable oil Mm. from where you collect... um, you collect oils from the likes of Kentucky Fried Chicken and Burger King and McDonald's and restaurants, and there's small operators who go and buy up these oils and then deliver them to our partners, Kulu, who are energy biofuel providers, who then treat those at their plant to provide a biofuel that we run in the generators that are used to power the cars. So every level of Uh, environmental consideration is taken into account and the whole race is produced in an environmentally friendly way. The critics will say, yeah, but what about the three jumbo jets that flew in, you know, with the cars from Hyderabad, the previous race? Well, if you're going to be a global series of anything, the reality is if you're going to be going to a new venue every two weeks, you've got to use air transportation. The airport, air transportation uses efficient engines. It is getting better. There are carbon offsets against that. So there are plans that allow for the series to be carbon net zero. But I think most importantly, it carries an environmental message to the youth and to the public that are watching that all of this is possible with purpose at the center. It's not just a fantastic race celebration, with lots of pretty pictures and pretty people. This is about so much more than that.
1: Adam, this is just so encouraging to listen to. The sustainability of just the entire race, if you look at it from a social sustainability angle, in that Ian has emphasized the amount of young people that are involved. An environmental sustainability angle where you see Mm. and you're hearing from the evidence that Ian is coming with is that they are really serious around putting through all the measures that we need for the next 20 to 30 years around how will we do our sports how will we enjoy our sports in an environmentally sustainable manner and just one more thing in a generation where all these sports organizations and sports properties are looking for more gen z fans one Mm -hmm. word that ian has continued to really push through throughout this entire 30 minutes that we've spoken to now is purpose And that is one thing that you and I being Gen Zs or really, really young people under the age of 30 is that purpose is one of the most important factors when you look at Gen Zs and what they buy and the brands they associate themselves with. So I don't know if you have more to add on that, but I'm just so encouraged by how much, as much as this is an if, and an if-e-pre conversation, but how much young people and sustainability is coming through from this conversation.
0: I mean, for me, I am really inspired because... It's not every time you hear someone speak so passionate passionately about bringing change and involving young people. You know, Ian said one thing that I really like, that he's tired of people saying that, oh, there's nothing out there. You know, people aren't doing things. Rather, we should focus on the little that is being done and find ways of supporting it and pushing it forward. And I believe this is very powerful. I can already see the five-year, 10-year, 15, 20-year, Impact coming through, and how this is finally, you know, going to be a benefit for not just the, you know, Formula E industry or the environmental industry, but for South Africa and Africa as a whole. And for me, I love that. I really, really love that. Ian, just for us to quickly go over um the last points before we wrap up. What are some of the future innovations that are coming come through through the ePrix in Cape Town? both for audience, for students, and for people who love Formula One and e-racing and potentially would become drivers themselves? Sure. So the first thing I've
2: spoken about is Formula Student Africa. We've covered that. That is a key consideration and not only in terms of e-mobility skills, but imagine each university or technicon has to set up a team. That team needs a manager. So it's not just data science and computer science and the like. You have a manager of the team. You've got to do marketing to raise money so that you can have funds to do your project and to build and develop. So these are skill sets that cross over way beyond just the actual production of the car. That's exciting. And so that's just on the formula student side. On the Go Green Africa side, we are going to create a massive push into the green economy. We have a particular project that I am very interested in behind green hydrogen and the ability of a wonderful African man. He's English, born in England, but his parents come from Africa. He is a PhD at Cambridge University. His name is Jonathan Bean. And Jonathan has developed an algorithm that computes at between 200 and 1000 times standard modeling that's done by mathematical equations. He is looking at how to make green hydrogen affordable. There's so much spoken about green hydrogen. That could become a power source for these cars in the future. Hydrogen has a big future, but at the moment it is between five and 10 times the cost of alternatives, so it's too expensive. But Jonathan has something on the go which we are helping deliver and push and raise money for, which I believe could change that landscape. Imagine Sasol, one of our second largest polluter in our country, South Africa, one of the largest polluters in Africa, suddenly overnight becoming a green company because of Jonathan's innovation. He was on our panel talking at Africa's Green Economy Summit. I was today with Seppo Morula, who's a new partner of mine, who's extracting something called lignin from sawdust, I won't go into that in too much detail now, but that has potential applications across multiple industries, as well as within the formerly ecosystem. So I could talk for hours on this, gents, but I'll part with a final thought for you. We have a wonderful continent. We'll soon have a billion people in this continent that'll double to 2 billion in the next, I don't know how long, 10 or 15 or 20 years. Imagine if all of us Instead of taking out of society, put something more back in than we took from it. In other words, if every single person, both here and elsewhere in the world, became what I call a net contributor. So just think when you pass into another life, whatever that might be, you leave having put a bit more in than you took out of society. Can you imagine how we would fly as not only as a continent, but how we would fly as a world of people, On the basis that instead of being greedy and only interested in ourselves, we actually made a difference in the life of others. And if we can convey that simple message, I'll tell you, power to Africa. The people that is, and I want to do that in more ways than one, if we can give people energy, which is our intent, that'll give them literally power to make a difference. We've got wonderful young people, so we're going to be helping. Let's have a chat, guys, next year and I will undertake to get Alexander McLeod to connect with you, who, is, who together with me founded Formula Student Africa. And you speak to Alexander, he can tell you about the exciting plans. He's a young man who I've mentored for 15 years. He's now at Warwick University, heading up innovation and enterprise, and he'll talk to you about it. He's as passionate as I am.
0: Ian, there are three key things that embody you as a person after having this wonderful conversation. You know, with you and Jabu, you're a visionary, you're a purposeful leader, and you are shining light to the continent. And Africa is truly grateful for a person such as you. I mean, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I know Jabu has enjoyed it as well. And we're really, really grateful for you coming on and just really giving us a good idea of what the Formula E industry has for this continent. Like I always say, exciting times ahead. Thank you, kind.
2: It's been wonderful meeting you both. And I'm sorry, Job, it took a little while to connect, but here we are. I'm delighted we've done it.
1: Brilliant, Ian. And again, just on purpose, young people, environmental sustainability, I think you're one of the most forward-thinking and self-aware people within the industry, particularly how much you emphasize young people. And that's something we really appreciate. So thank you so much for this conversation. We hope to continue to keep on covering the EPRI for the next few years and really appreciate your contribution that you bring to the sports business as a whole.
0: Here we have a folks, Ian Barna, a really educated, very passionate and forward-thinking person who we know for a fact is going to create change for everybody on this continent, especially for the youth, and especially with purpose at the center of it all. Thank you very much for giving us your time and listening to this conversation till we meet again next week. Bye for now.